What's up, everything? The Pacific Division is up, up in the air. That's right. Today we're talking every team in the Pacific Division, from those at the bottom to those slightly above the middle. We'll also touch on Patrick Maroon's bittersweet departure from St. Louis, and we'll be joined by our friend Louis Pannone from the Hockey Riders to discuss the Arizona Coyotes and say thank you a bunch of times. We've got a lot of things to talk about and a lot of thank yous and very few dings to get to. So let's get started and let's go Blues. Stands on golden sand and watches the ships that go sailing somewhere beyond the sea. She's there watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to her. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. This is episode 91? 90? Yeah, I think it's 91. Vladimir Tarasenko inaugural episode. We did not uh, celebrate the Ryan O'Reilly episode last week. More's the shame on us. He's a very gorgeous man. He has the con smile. And the sulky. Mm -hmm. Things are pretty good. Yeah, he doesn't For Ryan O'Reilly. Our episode. Vladimir Tarasenko, on the other hand, really suffered. Yeah, just a Stanley Cup win. That's all you got. Beautiful family, a Stanley Cup win, and $7.5 million (laughs) a season. Just a really rough life for the Tarasenkos. Uh, Ian, where are we coming from tonight? We are coming from Swampy... Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> um, yes, because I've never been here, and I said, let's go down here and let's haggle with the swamp people. <laughs> oh, God, there's nothing worse than trying to talk to a bunch of filthy swamp people. But here we are. The recording software is not good, but hopefully there won't be as damn many dings this week. Mm. We as a podcast do apologize for the ding. <laughs> and we uh, are thankful to our dear friend, Jeff, who helped work on those and... Uh, fix them a little bit in the mm-hmm. podcast last week. I got nervous when I said Jeff because I was like, no, that's the other Jeff's name, but there's two Jeffs. There's more Jeffs than that. It's a lot of Jeffs. Jeff's we Jeff's should name a whole down. city after Jeffs, but I'm bum. It's named Jefferson, but people get it. People got it. We're moving on. Uh, we have Is a. Is Jeff l- short for Jefferson? Oh my God. Let us know, Jeff Jeff. Jeff Jefferson? <laughs> Moving on up. <laughs> He's going to change his Twitter handle. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Um, yeah, we got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about the Pacific Division. And you may think, why did we jump from the east to the west and then back to the east? It's because we've got guests to accommodate. And this week, uh, well, he didn't need accommodation. He was actually very accommodating to yeah. us. But our guest is going to be uh, Louis Pannone, a friend of Mine from the Hockey Writers, who was gracious enough to uh, record an interview with us through the wonders of technology. We've already recorded that, but we'll put it in here when it makes sense. You you know how the podcasts Mm -hmm. do. Um, We're very professional. He gave us a great 30-minute talk about the 
coyotes and all the changes they've seen this summer and um you know what some of their prospects and a lot of really interesting stuff and a little bit of a preview of the Western Division, Western Com- Pacific Division. <laughs> you got it. Somewhere beyond the sea that specifically, specifically sea. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a great interview. We thank him for coming on. I hope you all will enjoy that. Uh, Arizona Coyotes, as you remembered and pointed out at the end of the interview, a team that is coming to the Central Division in two short seasons. Yeah, coming your division soon. uh, We have a lot to learn, I guess, about the Coyotes. Uh, We also want to remind you all about the Soccer Talk Lads STL podcast, which, you know, should be on iTunes shortly if they could get their shit together. We're so sorry. Uh, (laughs) Yes, please, please love our sport. Um... That, you know, you can follow us at STL underscore podcast. That's our new MLS podcast with Justin Horniker. And uh, we have a lot of fun over there as well. And also, you know, subscribe and review to this podcast or whatever the stuff is you're supposed to do. What's the stuff they're supposed to do, Ian? Do they do things? They're supposed to review and subscribe. Yeah. Um, follow us on Twitter. That's they do you've that. Already, you've already heard about that. You can you can follow us on Instagram if you if you'd really like to go crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully we'll have some fun stuff coming up this season. If, I think we've got some fun things planned. If you ever emailed us, I'm so sorry. The uh, we never check the email. <laughs> that's true. It's that a ghost is... <laughs> town. <laughs> uh, the um, regular season is Jake Allen days away. So oh my goodness. I can't believe it. We're going to be talking hockey before we know it. And I'm excited, but also kind of like, I don't know about this. Um, kind of weird. I'm excited. I am excited. But also you're like... excited. The fans are excited. That's the weird. It's and the weirdest lead up to a season ever. Yeah. Because we just did it. We just did the thing. We just did the thing, and now it's another thing, and there's a whole thing. I say, a part of me is like, I'm not as excited as normal. I say that, but honestly, honestly... If we start off really hot, I'm actually going to be less excited. Oh, yeah. If we start off poorly... Oh, you want to torch like, him? Well, just because... Not even necessarily torch him, but then I'm like, he oh... He wants to torch him. There's a storyline again. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Where you're like, oh, okay. Actually, I really do want this team to improve and win another cup. But if they start off like 10-0, I'll be happy. But I'm like, eh, okay. I guess we're back <laughs> to just being it. one of the best teams in the league. I'm over it. Um, yeah, so a lot of fun stuff coming up. And one of the things that just happened was the St. Louis Blues summer sale, which was at the uh, erstwhile Peabody, Erst, Ersterwile, Keel Opera House, and presently the Stiefel Theater. Stiefel in the means of production at the Stiefel Theater. Um, (laughs) uh, You and I went. And mm-hmm. stood in a in a shockingly short line, very short, uh, for a shockingly disappointing sale. No, I I mean, I think of this. I don't think they usually give season ticket holders a full four hours, or maybe they just had less stuff this summer, or maybe, and this is my mm-hmm. guess, they had as much stuff, but season ticket holders just went ham because we just won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think it's a good mix of that stuff too. I do think they probably didn't just didn't have anywhere near the amount of like signed pucks and stuff that mm-hmm. we kind of loved last year, but it was good. It had some cool stuff. They had like a one or two of the banners left that mm-hmm. we both thought, man, that'd be cool. And then it'd be like, but also we'd be paying $250 oh, for something we don't have a home for. I know. I was like, this will be when I get a house someday. It looks great in Mentor Arena, though. That's so. Oh, you know, yeah. Well, it complements everything down there. Um, 
But yeah, that was, I mean, that was fun. We had a good time. We went and ate somewhere afterward. Where we go? Where we, we go? went to Bailey's Range. Bailey's Range. Very good. Very, very, you know, Bailey's Range. Yeah. I give one of the it, best burger places downtown. I give it a two out of six. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was when you said best burger place. Uh, I was like, I was about to give it a four out of five burgers. Yeah. And is that one of the best, I guess? Uh, I guess so. What was that place across <laughs> well, this? Our, our endorsement of Bailey's <laughs> range went roaring, just straight down the fucking train. What was that place across the street that looked interesting, but that we'll never go to? Oh, the bar or yeah. like the, no, the, oh, the, the speakeasy? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll never we'll I'll figure it out. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great day. I think the reason there wasn't a big line for non-season ticket holders too was like, I just think everyone has all their stuff. Yeah, you know, that's true too. Everyone's buying uh, Stanley Cup memorabilia shirts and hats and whatever and you're like, hey, you want to come down and get like a the Dwight? Thaxton speaking. Oh, there you go. Mm, sorry, so, go on. It was like, do you want to get a Dwyer to chant <laughs> jersey Dwyer while you're at chance. it? And you're like, no thanks. Yeah. You could get a Joey LaLegla. And it's like, no. Hard Someday. Pass. Someday I want to get one of these. But like, they're also still like $100. Yeah, I'm exactly. like, I'm not paying $100 for nobody. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a weird bag for sure. Yeah. Um, while we were at the summer sale, well, after we left the summer sale, you oh, yeah. and I ventured over to the uh, St. Louis Authentic Store, the mm. blues store in the Enterprise Center, to see if we could find a jersey for <laughs> your special friend. <laughs> Isn't that what, what that's called That's what the kids now? call them now. <laughs> um, and uh, we could not because... Jerseys don't exist apparently yeah. anymore. I bought both of my, I bought my Berglund one and my Stasny one. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> uh, at the store on different years. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where I'm supposed to get them now. I don't know. I don't know. Probably one of the other 50 places that Rally sells blues. House or, yeah. yeah. Uh, but while we were there, we saw Mr. Pat Maroon, mm-hmm. who calmly walked into the store, grabbed four of his own jerseys, took photos with two different children to the extreme embarrassment of their mothers, <laughs> and then walked out and walked all the way to uh, Tampa Bay, Julian Breezebois' office in Tampa Bay, and signed a contract two or three hours later. Uh, I think so he was weird. maybe going to like the raceway. Yeah, they and were doing, doing like a, a pace car thing or something. Yeah, I think Pareko was in like the or pace waving car the flag, and something yeah. like that. But he definitely got four jerseys and split. <laughs> um, I think that puts the official into a saga that we've all known for a while was going to end uh, with his departure. I mean, I don't think anyone had a real lot of hope. That he would stay. I know there were some butt hurt people thinking that uh, we should have just ditched Barbashev and kept Maroon. That's just wrong. You're just not evaluating things clearly <laughs> if you think that. I'm sorry. I love Maroon too. Barbashev is younger and overall better mm. and can be controlled longer for cheaper. But, um, I mean, it's still sad to see the, you know, the hometown hero of Game 7, you know, leave after a year. But he's made all the memories he could ever have. Like, it's never going to be better than this, mm-hmm. you know? No, I think you made a good point where it was like, this is this is the best way for him to go out. Like, you came in in a year, you, you proved yourself, at least, that you could, like, play in the playoffs and play well and play in clutch situations. And he scored two amazing goals. 
um, that I can recall. Obviously, there's a game seven, but wasn't there another one against the uh, he Dallas? Had the game winner against Dallas yeah. in game three, the one where yeah. uh, Dive Boy. Oh yeah, Wendell. Yep. Like those, like he had really good moments in the playoffs, but again, I think in like the last like ten games of the playoffs or something, he had like no points, mm-hmm. and it just. You can't go around paying guys that didn't have a great regular season and showed up in the playoffs in little spurts, like even, I don't know, even like 1.5 million, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with what we had left to give. Um, I'll always be happy he was here. Get your maroon jerseys, make you know, make them fun. I always think like if you have a guy that was on your team that contributed a huge amount, but he was only there for a little bit, like... I always think those are fun jerseys to get because, like, oh shit, you'll never be here again. Like, this is like a fun little commemorative thing. My one very nice um, blues jersey is a Martin Brodeur jersey mm-hmm. <laughs> because I figured he's not like I'm never gonna sour my opinion yeah. of Martin Brodeur as a blue is never gonna get worse. So, oh yeah, who's yeah. uh who's Big Puma? Lance Berkman. I've got a Lance Berkman. Like, yeah. I think I might even have a jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he was only here for like a little bit, but he did a great job while here. And I I think the thing with Maroon is like, I know people were like, oh, he just signed for league men there. Mm -hmm. He could have done that here. And it's like, wouldn't it have been almost more insulting to ask him to sign for less this season? (laughs) Because last year was the sign for a discount. And I realize that he signed for less in Tampa Bay, but he, A, gets to live in Tampa Bay, mm. B, doesn't have to pay taxes in Tampa Bay, and C, gets to play for friggin' Tampa Bay, where he can ride the coattails to another cup very believably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I, I just feel like it was the right time. I don't know. I had something else I wanted to say, and it just flew out my ear, but I just feel like his time here was awesome, but it was over. Mm-hmm. He was never going to like play out the rest of his career and retire here. You were, you, you were not going to like that fan. Yeah. You it was not just going like to get that. uglier. He wasn't the, the, the honest evaluation of things last year is that he was awesome as, as a story and he was awesome in a couple of clutch moments in the playoffs. And overall, he was pretty lackluster as a player. And that's not a shot at Pat Maroon. I was like, that's just the way it that's was. That's just what happens. Yeah. And, the, and the reality of things is, when you win a Stanley Cup, you usually have a pretty good, pretty deep team. That's, you know, kind of how that <laughs> works. And you can't afford to pay Pat Maroon to occupy a spot that Zach Sanford or Sammy Boy can step into, much less... Jordan Cairo or Quim Costin or, you know, Dominic Bach or whoever down the road. It's, yeah. you can't, this, we're going to see, we aren't going to see many this year, but I think in the next two or three years, we're going to see a lot of faces leaving this organization that were a part of that team because the Blues, I mean, you know, story notwithstanding, the Blues weren't supposed to win the cup last year. Doug Armstrong didn't walk into that season realistically thinking we win the cup this year. He thought we get back to playoff yeah, form this year and maybe least. we're a contender. But like, I don't think anybody was like, this team's winning the cup. I mean, I guess some people were, but like, 
When you look at Jordan, the whole field, yeah. you're not like, it's the Blues. Robert year. Thomas was a rookie, and he was a damn good rookie, but he was a rookie. Jordan Kyrou didn't end up, you know, really cracking the roster. Yeah, he bounced point. up and down. Those guys are two big parts of your future. You didn't know who Jordan Bennington was, but you thought Billy Huso was close to being a big part of your future. And some of that's still got to happen. And yeah. that means probably seeing guys like Shin and maybe Schwartz walk away, you know, and Bozak will definitely leave at the end of his contract. And that sucks, but it's going to happen. I love Tyler Bozak. I was thinking about getting a Tyler Bozak jersey the other day for mm-hmm. kind of the same reason you were just talking about. Like, I really like Tyler Bozak. He's going to leave, and it's going to be fine when he does. There's no chance <laughs> it will be fine. There's no chance that Tyler Bozak leaves St. Louis with hard feelings. You know, there's just not. It's like, whatever. It's <laughs> like, at some point he's going to be gone, and I'll be okay with that. That's you know? a good point. It's like, you don't want to try and, like, bubble wrap and, like, this team up you know you don't want to try and capture this lightning in a bottle and then just like keep it there forever Mm -hmm. and be like we gotta keep this it's like it's just never gonna happen and that's how you end up being a shit team yeah like seriously and what we saw and what we remember will always be there that's the fun that's one of my favorite things other than literally like winning the cup Uh on that day is that we won the cup and now if you're ever like man today was crap you can just go watch the blues win the cup again that thing I've always like this. watched other teams do, like I'll watch the Kings win the cup before we did, like just on YouTube, and <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that's so cool. I wonder what that would be like. You can just do that over and over without having to keep this team around like that. I've got this cup, uh, literal cup of tumbler that my dear friend Adam sent me, and it's got the Stanley Cup champions logo on the back. And I look at that and I'm like, no, I'm still like, no, I don't think so. You know, like, doesn't seem correct. Um, Feels like we won like this other Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like the real one's still out there. Um, And it's, that's always going to end. You know, Mm -hmm. David Freeze was traded a year later. Lance Berkman was on that team. He left a year later. Albert Pujols left that summer. Mm. Does that mean when they have the 10 year reunion in two years? That it's going to be any less amazing? No. You know, it's 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 awesome. Oh, so that'd be cool. It's just, it's got to happen. I mean, uh, quite frankly speaking, and we won't go into this because we've got a lot to cover, but, like, we've, we've already expressed some discomfort with how much they've done the whole let's just load up for last, you know, to mm-hmm. repeat sort of thing this year. Because uh, you can't catch lightning in a bottle twice, probably. But... Going down the road, I trust Doug Armstrong enough to not do that. I trust him to not think, you know, with his emotions and and act on his on his instinct and his intelligence. So it's sad to see Pat Maroon leave, but you know, I wish him all the best, and you know, I hope that he makes it to the Stanley Cup final. And if we don't make it there, I hope he wins. You know, I mean, I don't. That's the f- other fun thing about this season is like. It'll suck whenever it ends for us a little bit, mm-hmm. but like I don't care at all who wins. The Penguins can win again, and I'll only sort of be like, mm-hmm. you know, the Blackhawks could win again, and I'll be like, eh. but they're not gonna. Don't worry mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just yeah, it sucks to see them leave, but it's just life. It just is kind of life. It's a good. Mm-hmm. It's a good preparation for real life when sometimes. <laughs> You got to change jobs or whatever, and it sucks, but yeah. it's for the good. 
Roll with the punches. Exactly. And speaking of rolling with the punches, <laughs> the NHL will be rolling with the punches of possibly not forcing a lockout. Oh, thank God. Darren Dreger pre- reporting earlier today that uh, the NHL has officially opted not to reopen the CBA. It's complicated, and I don't know all the details, but I think the basic skeletal outline is there's a, a deadline in 2020 where either side can choose to reopen the CBA, which would move the lockout up to after this season. And then if they both choose not to, then it goes for another three or f- two or three seasons, two to four seasons, I don't know, somewhere in there. And then they have to do a new CBA. So that's oh, when nice. the lockout will be. <laughs> but at least it won't be, you know, right after we win the cup. At least it'll be, you know, maybe Robert Thomas will be 24 then and will really be wasting his prime years. You know, something like that. <laughs> oh, um, no. Don't, don't bring this harm to so me. So the, the NHL has officially said we're not going to do it. The NHLPA still has not yet spoken, so it could still happen. They could force their hand on escrow. But, God, you just have to avoid one this time. The league's not perfect. It's mm. not. But it is healthier than it's been in a long time, and you just can't let it happen. Is escrow a reason to, like, shoot yourself in the foot? No. No, it's not. I mean, it's not for me. I, I mean, it's yeah. gross. It's gross. I was like, yeah, it's not great. I don't, and maybe I they can, they like should, that. like, that's the thing. They can't. The, the owners, both sides are too stubborn to just say, hey, let's mutually find something that works. Maybe we can knock escrow down to 35% mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah, but, but that's always they like, can't ever accomplish that without yeah, a lockout. So a this time, don't. That's my message. So um, that's kind of the league and blues news we have to cover. So why don't we go ahead and start this bad boy off by throwing to our friend, uh, Louis Pannone of the Hockey Writers, who we did the interview with that you're about to hear. We thank him again for coming on. We say that a lot at the end of the interview, too. So you'll hear thank you a lot, but you won't hear the cell phone chime any time but once. So, you know, you can... <laughs> for whom the cell phone <laughs> chimes. Time marches on. So here's Lewis. We are here with Louis Pannone, my friend from thehockeywriters.com, who covers the Arizona Coyotes. You can find him at Louis Pannone, that's L-O-U-I-S, like St. Louis, P-A-N-N-O-N-E, uh, on Twitter. Louis, how are you doing tonight? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Ian, you doing well still? Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> good, good. Uh, we are excited to have you join us today to talk about the Coyotes because... I feel like they had a pretty eventful offseason, have one of the kind of surprising big-name trades of the offseason. So why don't we start there? Uh, you guys got went out and got Phil Kessel from the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, and it cost you a, a good amount. Alex Galchenyuk, who you only had for the one season, uh, and Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who I know was one of your top uh, prospects. He's a defender, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then you got uh, Kessel, Dane Burks, and a fourth-round pick back from the Penguins and obviously took on the remainder of that contract. What was the initial reaction to that trade from uh, Coyotes fans? I know there's the relationship there with uh, your head coach, Rich Rick Tockett. Uh, how did fans feel about that, and what did you think about the deal? 
Uh, in terms of the fan base, just lots of excitement. Um, obviously, it's, it's been a rough couple of years here. Haven't really had a a, a goal scorer like Phil Kessel here in, in a long time. So uh, there's definitely a lot of excitement in, in terms of the fan base. And, uh, you know, just having a player that caliber in the franchise for the first time in, in a long time was, is very exciting. And then in terms of the relationship with Rick Tockett, um, I believe I read something about uh, Phil Kessel's uh, trade list. He had... I think some divisional teams with Pittsburgh that they wouldn't obviously trade him to. And then the Coyotes were the only teams on his trade list. So um, it seems like he wants to be here. It seems like he wants to play for Rick Tockett. And, you know, as, as, as much trouble as the Coyotes have had in the last few years getting free agents here, if you got a player of that caliber that, that actually wants to play here, you got to go make that happen. And that's what uh, John Checo was able to do. Yeah. it's I mean, he's still a premier player in the league, I think. I know, uh, uh, this is a bingo square on the two guys, one cup bingo card. But on the Spit and Chickwitz interview with Rick Tockett, which was really uh, a great interview. I don't know if you got a chance to hear it, but he talked a lot about Kessel. And I think that was even recorded before the trade happened. So I know uh, the coach has to be excited. Kessel will be motivated. I'm sure he'll uh, fit in well there. How do you see him fitting in and matching up with the players you have? Do you have any idea maybe who he'll play with, what role he'll play? any of that um i'm willing to bet he's going to get a lot of uh first uh, power play unit time uh that was a problem area for the coyotes last year um they really struggled on the power play they just didn't have any anyone that could finish um i think in terms of who's going to play with i think uh nick schmaltz and clayton keller would be two uh players to keep an eye on uh schmaltz especially coming off coming off the injury last year uh looks good in limited action i think he had i believe 14 points in, in 17 games or something close to that uh, before he unfortunately was was lost for the season, so uh, looked like he had some some potential there to maybe be a first line center for the Coyotes, and then uh, Clayton Keller, obviously his third NHL season, uh, a little bit of a sophomore slump last year, but the Coyotes are looking for him to take the next step forward this year and uh, become that first line winger that they've been looking for. Yeah, I know when uh, when that Schmaltz trade originally went down, I felt like the uh, Blackhawks got hosed, which is never a problem mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> um, it all obviously. <laughs> Strom turned out to really revitalize himself playing there in Chicago. And so for a while there with Schmaltz heard it looked a little uh, one-sided in the other direction, but I think it'll end up working out for both teams. I think Schmaltz is a really good player. Um, Absolutely. Ian, you have anything you want to ask at this point? I guess, what did you think of um, Alex Galchenyuk and his limited time down there? I've, he's always been a player that's been talked about a lot in the league, but then they always talked about him in Montreal as not getting enough time at center and he was kind of getting yanked around up there. What did you think of the limited time he had with the Coyotes? Um, it was kind of hard to judge. Like the first half of the season, I believe he was hurt uh, when the season started, and it didn't mm-hmm. seem like he was really 100% until probably December, January. So um, he had a really good half season down the stretch. He was scoring a lot of goals. He was he was good in the power play. Um, obviously struggled in the first half. Um, like you said, in Montreal, I think the consensus on him was that he should be playing center. Um, so the Coyotes gave him that chance last year, I believe, at the start of the season, and didn't really work out. But he went back to the wing. So um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does in Pittsburgh. With uh, with um, you know they got the obviously helps to play with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So um, I think he'll fit in pretty good in Pittsburgh. But it just really didn't work in Arizona. It seemed like um, obviously it's Sting has given up on him after one year, especially since you you got gave up Max Domi to get him. But uh, getting Phil Kessel back is definitely. Um, definitely going to be something that'll be good for the franchise in terms of his production and probably getting some extra fans in the seats to see uh, Kessel out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dovetailing off that a little bit. I mean, obviously it stings with as good a a season as Domi had last year. He finished with like 77 points or something like that. Uh, Do you think that is the real Max Domi? Like he's actually leveled up permanently? Or do you think maybe he'll come back down to earth a little bit this season? Um, I would say he might come back to earth a little this season, but I can't really see him dropping too much in terms of the production. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was a good player as a rookie here. Uh, kind of took a step backwards in his second year. I think injuries had a lot to do with that, unfortunately. So um, he was healthy last year for the most part. Um, obviously motivated in a new city, Montreal. It's a great hockey market to play in. So uh, I think he, he might take a tiny step back this year, maybe back down to the 65, 70-point range. But... Um, I think he's, he's definitely going to be um, a solid player in Montreal for a long time. And, and we're happy to see that in Arizona. You know, it's things that he's not here. Um, I think a lot of the fan base thought he would be one of the, uh, the cornerstones going forward here, mm-hmm. um, especially after his rookie season, how he kind of uh, was in the community here in terms of um, the off-ice events the Coyotes did and in terms of his personality. So that kind of stung to lose him, but we wish him the best and, and hope to see him have success going forward, which we think uh, I think he will in Montreal. I think that will continue. Yeah, that's awesome. It's always good to have good feelings about a player when he leaves, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I guess last last Kessel-related question for the moment, what do you think about the prospect you gave up, uh, Joseph? I know we have a, a friend, one of our first guests ever on the podcast, is a big fan of his, so what do you think about the player you let go of? Um, I think he's got the potential to be a pretty solid offensive defenseman, especially as an NHL uh, kind of trends more towards speed than size. Uh, he's a little bit on the smaller side. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what his height and weight were, but I think it's it's pretty smallish in terms of um, what the general consensus is on NHL defensemen. But I think as the league trends more towards speed and skill, I think he definitely would have a place, especially in Pittsburgh, playing on maybe that power play unit, the second power play unit in the future with uh, with Chris Letang, maybe on the downside of his career here. So uh, I think uh, Pierre Olivier Joseph is going to be a solid player in the future. Um, same thing for Galchenik. I think he's going to have a solid year with uh, a solid contract year. It's his last year of his contract. So mm-hmm. I think he'll be motiv- motivated playing with uh, some some supreme talent there and, and Crosby and Malkin. So I think um, right now, though, the Coyotes might have gotten the better player. But in terms of two, three, four years down the line, uh, Pittsburgh might uh, win this trade. So I guess we'll see what happens here. If uh, Castle comes and lights it up for another 82 points this year and gets the Coyotes into the playoffs and who knows, you know, they can get some success can get some momentum behind the, uh, the push for a new arena here. It could, uh, could, could work out for the Coyotes here. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. terrific. I think it's one of those trades you're seeing more and more in the NHL these days where teams like the Coyotes that have a little bit of cap space that they can weaponize can pay, you know, less than top dollar for a, a hundred point score just because another team needs to get rid of his contract. I think, John Jacob was smart to take advantage of that, and I'm excited Absolutely. to see what Kessel does. Uh, and that's not the uh, that's not the first time they've done that either. They uh, they took uh, Dave Boland from Florida and ended up with Lawson Kraus. They took Pavel Datsuk from Detroit. Uh, were able to draft Jacob Chikrin because of that. They took Marion Hosa from Chicago. Able to get Jordan Osterley and Vinny Hinnestrosa from that one. So uh, they've had some success with using that, using that cap space. But uh, as hard as it is to believe now, they're they're a cap team now. So <laughs> those <laughs> yeah, days might be true. over. That's true. Uh, not to be overlooked, you also went out and got uh, Carl Soderberg from the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I believe he's entering the final year of his contract. And you gave up Kevin Connaughton and a third-round pick for him. 
uh, from next year's draft. Soderberg actually had kind of a career year last year with 23 goals and 26 assists. Uh, how do you see him figuring in, and what do you think about that trade? Um, I think I liked that trade um, when it happened, uh, just based on the fact that Kevin Connaughton really didn't have a place here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Coyotes yeah. returned all six of their defensemen from last year, well, I guess all seven with Connaughton. So um, there wasn't, re- wasn't really a spot for him, especially with uh, the team extending Ilya Labushkin. So they already had the seven defensemen signed for, for next season. So um, able to use a position of surplus to grab a, uh, a center from Colorado. Like you said, he had a career year last year. Um, I think he had maybe 52 points last year. I'm mm-hmm. um, not sure he'll be able to come close to that in the, with the Coyotes, especially if he's playing um, on the third or fourth line with, you know, the Derek Stepan already here, uh, Nick Schmaltz already here, Christian Dvorak already here. I'm not sure he'd have that amount of ice time again like he did in Colorado, but uh, I think he, he should be a solid pickup. Um, he kills penalties well. He can play in the power play if you need him to. Just an all-around good player, just a solid veteran to have um, in the locker room, especially with uh, – with how young of a team the Coyotes have this year. Yeah, and on the bright side, Ilya Labushkin's a lot more fun to say than Kevin Connaughton, so. <laughs> Definitely. You want out there. Um, I guess we can talk more generally kind of about how you're feeling about the franchise now. I mean, I know the, the goaltending situation was something we want to touch on. I think Ian and I were both big fans of uh, Antti Ranta coming into last season. Mm-hmm. I think we both suffered from losing him in two different fantasy hockey leagues last year. Um, We were both, both big believers after the, the showing he had in his first year with the coyotes, you lost him, but then Darcy Kemper kind of exploded out of nowhere uh, going from sort of a career backup to being a really great starter uh, with really awesome stats and 925 save percentage of 233 goals against average. Uh, now, assuming that Rant is healthy going forward, how do you see that situation working out? And I know you've got Aiden Hill behind him, uh, behind both of them. Do you think he'll just be in the AHL role this year? Or how do you how do you see that whole picture playing out? Uh, ideally, Aiden Hill would be in the AHL the whole year. But as we've seen the last couple of years, you just really never know with the goaltending position. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you in St. Louis know that just as well as anyone with Jordan <laughs> Bennington coming out of nowhere last year. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, you would hope um, Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper would be healthy for the whole year and, and both be playing well. But, um, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Ideally, the Coyotes probably would like to see Aiden Hill spend another year in the AHL and not not necessarily come up here for an extended amount of time again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll have to see what happens uh, in terms of uh, who's going to be starting. Uh, I think you could easily see a, a one a and one B type situation mm-hmm. play out here. Um, you know, you always could have someone uh, separate themselves in training camp, which I expect would happen. Um, someone's going to be just in a little bit better shape than, than someone else. Mm-hmm. But um, like you said, Dar- Darcy Kemper, um, obviously recency bias here. Um, unbelievable down the stretch last year really just um the coyotes were kind of down in the dumps a little bit after the anti-ranta injury and and kemper just really came in and, and just absolutely took control of that that goaltending crease um there was really i think he played like 26 or 27 straight games there was really obviously it was depth issue there that calvin pickard behind him I can't really uh, put him in there to start too many games <laughs> yeah. anymore you'd um, want to avoid that kemper, you, he was just a hot hand you just month and a half, two months, you just, you just couldn't take him off the ice. He was just too good. Um, I think Ranta coming back healthy, would, would he'd push him for some starts. Ideally, they would maybe go 60-40 or 55-45 or in terms of the starts. But 
Um, I guess it'll all depend on who uh, who separates themselves in training camp and uh, who's going to get that opening night start. Yeah, I think uh, maybe Kemper breaking out makes up a little bit in hindsight for uh, Devin Dubnik going the other way all those years ago, but probably. Yeah, that's a tough one to swallow, especially with uh, the fact that they had to keep Mike Smith and give up Devin Dubnik. So yeah, that's a tough one. I don't that's think anyone on earth, but except for maybe Chuck Fletcher, saw quite that coming. Yeah. Though, so that's uh that's that's hard and you never know goaltending yeah, goal is such a toy cost yeah it really is i mean jordan bennington obviously like you mentioned but who knows he could be a disaster this year he could be great this year it's just impossible mm. it's really impossible yeah, that's the one now. that's the one position where it's hard to just count on something from one year to the next you know yeah you absolutely. Never know injuries or someone's you know just not in a good place mentally or Whatever it is, you, just, you can never count on that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's nice to have two guys that you can hopefully rely on either one in case one of them goes belly up. That's a good situation to have. Um, Absolutely. H- how do you feel about the front office and the coaching staff right now? I know Rick Tockett is really well-respected around the league by players and everything, but uh, he's been there a few years now, right? And you haven't seen you know playoff berth yet. And I know John Shake has been there for a while, too. And was obviously a, a very, you know, controversial, I guess, to put it one way, signing when he came on board. How do you feel about the, the direction the team's heading in general? Because I feel like from afar, it seems like you're kind of on the upswing now and maybe pulling out of, of a long run of kind of less than ideal performances. But how are you feeling on the ground there in Arizona? I would definitely agree that it seems like we're on the upswing here in Arizona. Um, like you mentioned, Rick Tockett, this is third year coming up. Um, I think in, in year one, they just had a lot of bad luck with injuries. Uh, got off to that really bad start. I think it was uh, 11 straight losses to start the season. Mm-hmm. So really hard to get a judge on his first year when you when you lose the first eighth of the season in a row, you know, mm-hmm. put you in a huge hole. So uh, last year, obviously, with the injuries, they he still kept that group together, still kept them playing hard every night, uh, almost stuck into the playoffs, um, even with those injuries. So I think they're they're good in terms of the head coach position. Um, John Chaika, um, pretty much everyone here agrees that his trades, his drafting, his, his free agent signings, everything is, is good. He's doing all the right things. It's just a matter of, of the team, uh, winning on the ice this year. Um, uh, I think they have all the pieces in place to, to do so. It'll just be a matter of staying healthy and getting some, um, improvement from the young players, especially Clayton Keller, uh, Jacob Chikrin. Uh, but I think all the place, the pieces are in place for them to uh, take that step forward this year and, and solidify their position in the Pacific Division here. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you guys were devastated by injuries last year, so it's it's hard to know what that team could have been at full strength. It actually was pretty impressive, even not at full mm-hmm. strength, all things considered. I think. Um, oh yeah, I think they had like six or seven guys miss more than forty games last year, so it's always tough when you got that many guys out for that amount of time. So. I'm really excited to see what they do if they can stay healthy this year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm looking at a graph on Twitter. It looks like you all were the third most injured team last year behind uh, Dallas and Anaheim. So that's you can't really compete with that in any <laughs> sp- in any pro league. It's hard to overcome that. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's tough when you got guys like Mario Kempe playing, you know, <laughs> top six minutes at center. Yeah, it's tough. so uh, I had to look they can that stay guy healthy up. this year. I think they got a pretty decent chance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ian, you got anything to ask him here? I can um, keep going, too. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I can just take the next one. We're we're curious as uh, native St. Louisans here in St. Louis to ask you about another native St. Louis and uh, Clayton Keller on your team. He's 
he's been outstanding as far as we've seen. Had a little bit of a, you know, I think he led what the Coyotes in scoring last year. Mm-hmm. Just a, little, a down year overall. Yeah, a down year overall. Team, but, but like, I from what I've seen, he looks stellar down there. What do you think of him and his and his couple of years down there thus far? Oh, absolutely. Love his game. Love his compete level. Love his skill. Uh, he's just a, he's going to be a great player here. Uh, like you said, a little bit of a sophomore slump last year, um, but I don't think that that uh, had anything to done anything to shake his confidence or shake the franchise's confidence in him. Um, also coming up on the end of his uh, entry level contract here, so maybe a little extra motivation. We'll see, especially with how the uh, the bridge deal has kind of gone away and oh, yeah. just going straight into the big contract now. So uh, maybe some motivation there to have uh, another good season. Um, but yeah, he's he's exciting player to watch. Just tons of skill, uh, tons of speed. Uh, he's a smart player, high hockey IQ. Um, just the Coyotes definitely lucked into that pick at, at uh, number seven overall a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's I been. Think, I think of like the four or five St. Louis players that got drafted that year in the first round. I think he's definitely the one that oh, stood he's out. Head and shoulders like yeah, head and shoulders. So far, yeah, and he's just uh, yeah, he's so much fun to watch and so dynamic that I'm really just excited to watch him develop. And there's honestly, I mean, I'm not just saying this because we have you here, Lewis, but there are <laughs> few teams I'd rather see a St. Louis and play for other than the Blues beyond the Coyotes. Cause I'd love that franchise to have some success and get uh, headed in a good direction. I guess since we're on the, on the subject of hometown players, I didn't uh, throw this question to you in advance, but since it's the hot topic around the NHL right now, uh, tell us about the the Austin Matthews hype from the Arizona perspective, because I think we hear a lot about the Toronto media covering it and either, you know, panicking constantly about how he'll be a Coyote in five years or telling people not to panic constantly <laughs> about how he'll be a Coyote in five years. How does how does Phoenix, how does Arizona at large feel about Austin Matthews as it is and how realistic do you think the potential rumors of him coming down there, obviously half a decade from now, uh, are? Do you think that's a realistic possibility? Well, it's no secret that he uh, he loves Arizona. He uh, going to spend the entire summer here, which um, if you have a choice of spending the summer in Arizona or in Toronto and you choose Arizona, that's, that's saying a lot. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it seems like he really loves the Valley. Obviously grew up here, grew up a Coyotes fan. Um, obviously has that five-year contract, like you mentioned, that'll take him conveniently right into unrestricted free agency if, mm-hmm. he, if you so chooses. So um, I guess we'll have to see what happens in the next five years in Toronto. Uh, if they have some team success here, maybe get that Stanley Cup, uh, maybe get him the captaincy. Uh, I could see him staying there, but um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up in, in Arizona in, in five seasons. Um, you know, I, I believe he modeled the jersey for Arizona State University I heard last about week that. or the week before. So there was definitely some media attention on that. <laughs> Toronto um, was not thrilled for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's the worst kept secret in hockey right now is, is Austin Matthews and his uh, his love for Arizona. So I guess we'll see what happens. I think a lot a lot of it's going to have to do with what happens on the ice uh, if the Coyotes are still not really competitive in five years and Toronto is is consistently in the conference final or the Stanley cup final, I could see him staying there, but if the Coyotes can take some step forward and, and well, I guess we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it's, it's gotta be compelling just because of how, you know, important he is to the region in terms of hockey in general. Cause it's, it's hard to think of an obvious parallel there where one, one player, you know, I mean, Phoenix is a, a very large city, 
in America, mm-hmm. but like for the sport of hockey, there's just one player that so surpasses everything else from the town that it's really it's hard to think of a parallel and and it would be awesome to see what that could do if he if he came back home and and put on a coyotes jersey in five years i think he'd he'd look really great mm-hmm. and that would be awesome oh yeah the there's franchise there's not really anyone that uh, that arizonans can identify with in, in hockey so um you know austin matthews being in toronto is is to some extent helping but if you were to come back to Arizona, I think that would inspire a whole other generation of, of the young kids here in Arizona. Not only that, but the fan base as well. I think they'd, they'd sell out of jerseys as soon as they got them if, if he came back here. So um, it would definitely do a lot for, for Valley hockey, but I guess we'll, we'll see what happens in five years. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully as he uh, comes up and Clayton Keller's still there and Barrett Hayton develops, it'll be hopefully he'll have the – drive to stay and you want to say something oh uh, so speaking of jerseys what do you think of the uh old school 90s jerseys for the coyotes oh love them love them i think they should go to those full time and bring back the white ones for the playoffs but mm. uh that's another conversation for another, another time I think. Yeah, they, they're going in the right direction they went from i think 2014 they had uh retro night one night a year to, uh-huh to now they do they every, every saturday night now so they're they're going in the right direction those black jerseys are those things are bomb. You can't, yes. uh, can't get too much better than those. Those are sick, for sure. Yeah. I love them. It's so weird to me, just generally speaking, that we're actually having like a 90s retro Renaissance now. now. It's, yeah. not just, it's not just the Coyotes. You, yeah. know, you see it with a lot of other teams and just, you know, the 90s theme nights in general. It's it's a little off-putting as a 90s kid, but I guess we'll get over <laughs> it. Getting so old. And getting used to it. Um, yeah, some of those retro jersey nights are, are pretty awesome. Like uh, Anaheim with their old Mighty Ducks jerseys. Oh, yeah. are, are those are definitely some some events where you want to be there and, and wear that jersey. But some of them you got like the LA Kings with their their gold Ooh. Burger King jerseys, all that <laughs> stuff they had back in the day. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. not so much. So it's uh, it's hit or miss. Yeah, you're but getting think, the... uh, yeah. We're, it's, it's it's good to see some of these these teams embracing their past, especially with Carolina last year with the the Hartford Whalers. Yes, night that was that was awesome awesome to see the brass bonanza back in uh, back Absol- in NHL arenas. Can't beat that. Absolutely, and you're getting the Canucks retro jerseys this year mm-hmm. too. I think finally, so that'll be a lot a lot going on out there in the Pacific. That'll be fun. A lot of jersey. Action. Absolutely. Um, there were rumors temporarily in St. Louis of a return to the red highlights on the jersey, but I think. Those were squashed and probably for the better. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We just gotta whatever you guys are doing out there, you gotta keep doing it. I know, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't ruin it. <laughs> don't screw with anything now, for sure. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the the Coyotes prospect situation. I know you guys got Barrett Hayton last year, um, and you've got a lot of good defenders there at the top of your uh, division. I know. Some people are at the top of your farm system, rather. I know some people feel like you maybe reached a little bit drafting uh, the Swedish defenseman whose name escapes me at the moment that you drafted this year. But how do you feel about the prospects in general, about him and and about the farm system? And who do you think maybe could make an impact this year? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, I'd be very surprised to see Barrett Hayton not on the opening night roster this year. Um, oh, nice. I think he's done enough in junior to, to at least deserve that that chance, deserve that opportunity. So I'd be very surprised to not see him on the opening night roster this year. Uh, whether he's able to have success, whether he's able to, to, to do much in his nine-game trial here, I guess that remains to be seen. But I think he's, he's done enough, especially last year in junior hockey, um, to deserve a uh, NHL chance here. Um, 
I think the Coyotes might have made some mistakes in the past with sending guys back to junior for, for both of their, their post-draft years, namely Dylan Strom. Um, probably could have been in the NHL a little bit sooner so mm-hmm. he can adapt to that speed a little sooner. So I'd, I'd, I'd be very surprised to see them send Barrett Hayden back to, to junior again this year. Um, and then Victor Soderberg, like you said, uh, maybe a little bit of a reach at, at, uh, with that pick, but um, I, but I believe he still was the number one right-hand defenseman available in that draft. So mm-hmm. that's always a premium position of need for pretty much any team. So um, with, with Arizona's aging defense, you got Alex Goligoski, you got Nicholas Almerson, you got Jason Demers are, are kind of getting up there in age. So, um, you know, the defense was good last year, but you always got to always gotta plan ahead. So um, that was definitely a, a position of need for them. Um, so for them to get that uh, right-hand defenseman, and he is AHL eligible this year, so that helps. You can expedite, expedite that development a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think that was maybe, like you said, a tiny bit of a reach, but definitely a, uh, a franchise need, a right-hand defenseman. It's always tough, too, when you hear the pundits on draft night because, I mean, they obviously know all these players far, far better than I can, but they're also just wrong all the time, <laughs> especially when one of them's Pierre Maguire. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if John Chica believes in somebody, he's earned the earned the right to, mm. you know, take his guy and not have too many questions asked of him, and I trust that he made a good se- selection there. Um, Definitely. It seems like the consensus last year on Barrett Hayton was that was a little bit of a reach, and now he uh, lit it up in junior, and now he's he's up there with uh, kind of deserving of his, of his draft spot. Yeah, looks like. So I guess we'll see what happens with Soderberg this year. A top league prospect right now, for sure. Yeah. Um, Ian, before we move on to just a couple of division questions, do you have anything more about the Coyotes specifically? Um, what is the what's the news with their stadium situation? Um, not much to report right now. Um, uh, during the year by year lease with Glendale here, the, they had a 15 year lease that was canceled a couple of years ago. So they've been on just on a year by year basis here. seems like that could go on indefinitely if we need to, but obviously the, the goal is to get a, a arena built, preferably on the East side, somewhere in Scottsdale. Um, downtown Phoenix is not looking like an option right now because the Suns have chosen to renovate rather than build a new stadium. And that's why this, the Coyotes left in the first place because that arena is kind of like Barclays Center. It's not really designed for hockey. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's East Side or bust for the Coyotes. Um, I think uh, with a new owner, Alex Marullo, has a background in real estate, has a background in getting uh, these deals done. Um, I think he's as good as, as an option as anyone to, to get this stadium situation figured out. They've tried and tried and tried, and I think now – um, they have the right man in place to get the job done here with the right amount of capital, the right, uh, the right background. I think um, if they can't get it done with this owner, they might, they might not ever get it done. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think as a fan base in a town that has lost a team recently, it's, it's nice. I mean, the NHL has plenty of faults, but it's nice to see them really try and find a solution for Arizona rather than yanking the parachute and, moving them anywhere too fast because I think that market really deserves mm-hmm. the chance to establish itself. And, and when the team's successful, you do see a lot of fan support. You've seen that in the playoffs runs they've had. So yeah, I'd love Absolutely. to see it in the arena. Especially Arizona being such a, I guess, maybe not the right word, bandwagon state. Uh, everybody's from someplace else. They don't really <laughs> give up their old team unless, you know, the Diamondbacks are doing well or the Suns are doing well, mm-hmm. which hasn't been the case lately. So, um, <laughs> I think everyone here is just dying for a winning team. It's been a, it's been a rough couple of years, so if the Coyotes can get out there and get off to a good start in October, 
Um, I don't think they would have any problems with attendance. People would make that drive. They just uh, don't want to go see a, a losing team to drive yeah. an hour. But they'll make that drive for a winning team, though, I bet. Yeah, Guess absolutely. We'll it's up to the Coyotes to win some games and, and fill that stadium. Totally. Uh, before So before we let you go, just give us a few of your thoughts on the division as a whole. Maybe a team you like and think isn't getting noticed much other than the Coyotes, and then like maybe a team you think is underrated or overrated, rather. Or just anything you have to say about the division, really, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a team to keep an eye on this year is Vancouver. Uh, obviously, they had uh, Elias Pedersen last year and, and Brock Besser. Um, really missed some time with some injuries. So if those guys can stay healthy this year, um, they, I think they have a really good chance to, to make the playoffs in the Pacific, especially with the division being a little weaker than this year than it has been in year past. Um, the Kings aren't really a factor. Anaheim is kind of rebuilding. You got the Sharks that maybe you might take a step or two back, losing Pavelski. Um, obviously, Vegas is still there. Calgary's still there. Edmonton, they're Edmonton, so you never know <laughs> with them. Um, yeah, I guess I guess uh, Vancouver's probably a team to keep an eye on this year. Um, they could definitely um, – I'm not sure if they'd be a surprise. I think people are expecting big things uh-huh. from them this year. Um, so Vancouver could be a team that could go from uh, missing the playoffs to getting in this year. And then maybe a team that's going to um, – take a couple steps back like 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 we just said the sharks um it's tough losing joe pavelski um obviously been a huge part of that franchise for for many years so um, i think that that loss will be felt um eric carlson didn't really seem like himself last year and they they gave him the huge contract anyway um i guess we'll see how that plays out they, they're paying him a lot of money for a long time and he's Wolf. hasn't really been himself in a couple of years so yeah that uh, hopefully he hopefully he can get right and hopefully that that's that thing doesn't blow up in their face but i think the sharks could, could be the team that falls back a little this year and vancouver could be the team that uh, that jumps up and takes their place but uh i think the pacific is is definitely by far the weakest of the four divisions right now it seems like um very easily can only be three playoff spots there with how strong the central is so it's going to be a tough battle um for those three spots especially with you would assume vegas is going to be one of them and mm-hmm. Calgary's going to be another. So you got uh, really six teams fighting for that one spot. So it should be interesting to see what happens this year. Yeah, it was a top-heavy division last year for sure, and I've, it'll be interesting as as both. I mean, I think Vancouver, obviously, but even the Coyotes are younger and on the rise. It'll be interesting to see how quickly the Sharks especially and uh, maybe the Golden Knights or Flames to a lesser extent fall off. Uh, Ian, you have anything before we wrap this up? I was just thinking as we were talking about divisions, I was like, you got the Pacific to worry about for oh, the yeah. next two years, <laughs> and then come Seattle's entrance into the uh, league, then you'll be be with the rest of us, <laughs> the rest of us weirdos in the that, Central. Yeah. How do you feel yeah, about we'll, that we'll move? What happens there, it's going to be tough for the Coyotes, I think, especially with how strong the Central is. You got... Uh, Dallas this year, I, I think they might be a pretty dark the dark horse Stanley Cup uh, uh, contender there mm-hmm. with their offseason. Absolutely, Obviously, yeah. the Blues, Stanley Cup champions, the Blackhawks, you can never really count them out. Nashville, with that with that defense, are going to be a contender for a while. Um, Minnesota, obviously, they're they're always a, a power. They got the, the money to spend, so um, <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be tough for the Coyotes in a couple of years to, to be in that Central. So they got to win now and, and establish some some of that uh, that fan base now and mm-hmm. and get some players signed now and, and before before they're in the central it's, it's going to be tough in the central yeah absolutely i'm excited i mean i'm personally excited to add the coyotes i know i'm sure some coyotes fans aren't thrilled about it and the travel doesn't make as much sense but i think it'll be a good fit i think that'll be some natural sort of rivalries there i feel like the coyotes and blues always play each other really tough hmm. for whatever reason yeah 
Yeah, St. Louis seems to have, uh, seem to have dominated that series the, the last couple of seasons, but the Coyotes really uh, improved in last year and the year before. So I think there was a while there where just you, you go to a Blues game in, in Glendale, you're like, well, what's it going to be tonight? 6-0, 5-0. <laughs> um, there was a while there where St. Louis was, was taken to the Coyotes pretty much every time they played. So um, they definitely have improved, and, and they're competitive with, with St. Louis. Um, obviously, you kind of have a, a little bit of a rivalry with, with Chicago going back uh-huh. to that playoff series a couple of years ago. Uh, so it should be interesting to see Dallas. They used to be uh, division rivals before the uh, before the previous real, realignment, I believe. So mm. there's a little bit of a couple old rivalries there. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know the Coyotes were among the cavalcade of teams that spanked the Blues early in the season when they couldn't shoot straight. <laughs> oh so, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Lewis. We really appreciate it. We know you've got a Sun Devils game to get to. Can't believe college football is starting back up. But I'm excited. Absolutely, um, it's, it's the most wonderful time of year. You got football and then hockey right around the corner, so it's uh, definitely a good time to be a sports fan. Yeah, I hope the Sun Devils can handle Kent State tonight, or might not be the pleasant start to your season that you're hoping that, for. That that is very true. <laughs> if, if they lose that game tonight, there's going to be a lot of drinking going on at Mill Avenue. A lot of people <laughs> not working tomorrow. So absolutely, we'll see well, what happens. We really appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug before you get out of here and go watch your Sun Devils? Uh, yeah, just give me a follow on Twitter. Um, I run the Twitter account for the hockey writers for Coyotes during games. So uh, if you can't if you watch the game or can't listen, I'll have your live tweets during the games and all that stuff. So uh, Twitter at Lewis Pannone and, and we'll, we'll get you some Coyotes info. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and look forward to another opportunity to have you on. Maybe we'll have a Blues Coyotes playoff series to preview in the not oh, yeah. too distant future. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks Absolutely. again for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I, I, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks. All right. There's something wrong with this The actors here have What a story, Mark, or Lewis in this case. <laughs> oh, You know great. the room. It's a fantastic movie. Go watch it. It is uh, as good as Citizen Kane, most people yeah. say. So you watch if it and let better. us know. If not better, it might be. Nobody says Rosebud all the friggin' time. So uh, thanks again to Lewis. We've said that now 17 times, but we do really appreciate him coming mm-hmm. on and really enjoyed that conversation. So we hope you all did too. Let us know and give him a follow on Twitter. Bump him up. Bump him up. Give him the two guys, one cup bump. (laughs) You know how people talk about that all the time. So uh, we didn't give any of the vital signs of the Coyotes during that organization. They're alive. That interview. So let's just run through some of that real quick. They finished 39, 35, and 8 last season with 86 points. They had a minus... 223? No, 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 no. Minus 10 goal differential. (laughs) I was reading that wrong. And they finished fourth in the division and ninth in the Western Conference. Quayton Keller led them in points with a shockingly low 47, but that speaks to the injury situation we talked about um, somewhat in the interview. They lost Ricard Panic. 
Richard Panic, I've never felt comfortable. To Washington, Calvin Pickard to Indifference, Nick Cousins to Montreal, and Josh Archibald to Edmonton. Uh, they signed Andy Mealy, Aaron Ness, and Bo Bennett. And they added Michael Bunting, Lawson Krause, Hudson Fashing. These are all RFAs. <laughs> yeah. Aiden Hill and Dyson Mayo. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Oh, Dyson Mayo <laughs> has a fun name because it looks like someone looked around their home at loose items while naming their child. <laughs> We've got a Dyson vacuum. We could go with vacuum. No, 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 no. We're going with Dyson and a jar of mayo. <laughs> Jar, Dyson jar. No, you know no, how no. someone, you know how you pick your baby's last name. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know how that happens. Um, so yeah, any last thoughts on the uh, Coyotes before we move on? I really do think they have a chance to compete this year, but mm-hmm. they got to stay healthy. Yeah, they were very close to making the playoffs last year with a wild card spot. So I think with a little magic from staying healthy, but also maybe just a. Maybe not as competitive central. Maybe mm-hmm. another team in the central or a team in the central gets injured a little bit like Arizona. And I think they could find their way into the playoffs. And they'd be a, they'd be a fun team. They'd be one of those teams like Columbus, I think, where you go in, you might be playing the Calgary Flames, let's say, and you go, you know what? We don't have anything to lose. Let, you know, let's just try our best. And Calgary's, again, chomping at the bit. To be like, we got to be, we got to play, you know, perfect. We got to 4-0 these guys. And then all of a sudden you find yourselves losing to the Arizona Coyotes, you know. So, like, I think they have a lot going for them. I think they could be the surprise team in the Pacific, I suppose. Yeah. And really, I don't know if it should be that much of a surprise anymore. No, they've been building towards it for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see if, uh, you know, Keller can step back up and... Uh, but it's uh, the this the prospect. It's skipping my mind, but we talked about him. Mm. What's his name, Ian? Oh, Hayton. Hayton. Yeah. Barrett Hayton. Yeah, sure. I wanted to say Bayton, and I Bayton? Didn't know it wasn't right. Oh, uh, Bayton Hayton. I'm in love with Peyton. He's my Bayton. You know how people say. So, um, yeah. So I really do think they uh are on the upswing and and. We are excited to have a playoff series, like we said, with the Coyotes, maybe. which we shall win. Maybe Andy Ranta can stay healthy. That's right. For my, for my fantasy team. For your fantasy team. team's sake. Please. And mine. I think I have them at Keeper League. Uh, let's go back to the Anaheim Ducks. Back alphabetically, not back in importance because they are entirely <laughs> irrelevant. They were 35, 37, and 10 last year with 80 points. They had a minus 52 goal differential, and they finished sixth in the division. Division and 13 in the conference. They also had a shockingly low number of top points, but Ryan Getzlav got his 48 and 67 games, which makes me wonder if maybe we're uh, pumping the brakes on Ryan Getzlav a little too soon. You know, he was injured, but he still got what's that about 0.7 points per game, something yeah, around there. So that still puts him at about like 60 points. Yeah, player. I mean, it's not great. It's not prime Ryan Getzlav, but he's, what, 33? I so. didn't realize he was only 33. Yeah, I, I thought, thought that he dude was, was like 36, The hairline doesn't help. On well, he never really had a hairline well, to begin with. Uh, speaking of hairlines, Corey Prairie had a hairline fracture. No, uh, it didn't. Buy out. He got bought out. That doesn't rhyme with hairline or have anything to do with hairlines. But he got bought out, <laughs> and he went to Dallas um, and Ben Street who I've literally never heard of, went to New Jersey uh, to join Man. the revolution. New Jersey's getting so good. <laughs> now they got Ben Street. You ever heard of Ben Street? 
You're gonna this year. <laughs> they signed a number of UFAs, including Anthony Stallers and a bunch of St. Louis adjacent defensemen. Yeah, there's literally. Y- there's Yanni Hackenpah, former boys prospect, uh, who went to Sweden or Finland mm-hmm. or his his homeland, his home planet <laughs> last <back>. summer. <laughs> and Michael Delzato, the uh, you know Mike the Bod as they call him, who won a Stanley Cup with the Blues. He's on the Cup. Didn't do much else. And then Chris Weidman, who's from the city and loves Ubers. Uh, <laughs> they also retained RFA's Chase DeLeo and Justin Kluse. It's so a close. Fun name. <laughs> so close. And yet, so four. Uh, <laughs> they traded one trade of little importance, Nicholas Delorier from the Montreal Canadiens for a fourth round pick. How dare Montreal trade a player with that many letters in his name where you pronounce so few of them? Mm-hmm. Only Montreal should be allowed to have such players. <laughs> exactly. Uh, questions. Questions about the Ducks. Uh, can Dallas Eakins bring some new ideas to rejuvenate this tired franchise? My fear for Dallas Akins <laughs> is that he stepped into literally exactly the role from I which know. he got fired before. Hey, you want to come coach Edmonton? Edmonton's been good. Edmonton is Ed- Edmonton. Oh, you have no hope of succeeding here. Mm-hmm. Get fucked. That's my concern. What are your thoughts on Dallas Akins? 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 Akins. I like to go with Akins as my Pokemon background. It informed me. I knew it was coming. I stopped my drink so I wouldn't spit it out. (laughs) Um, I think Dallas Akins could be a pretty good coach. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, gotcha. Um, (laughs) I think something he'll have in Anaheim that he didn't have in Edmonton is like, a mature, a mature group of people, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <sighs> but like, really, like a much more mature group of players, and you don't have, you didn't have at that point, um, a Ryan Getzlav or anybody oh, yeah. like that, and especially if they can stay healthy this year too. I I don't know what his coaching style is other than young coach. Other than use poison fang. Yeah, <laughs> but, they, but they make it always sound like he's 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 very highly sought yeah, after. Like, smart as a whip and actually like has a very good power play mm-hmm. um, that he likes to bring along with him everywhere. So I hope they do better. I hope they do better just for the sake of like small market teams because mm-hmm. i mean anaheim is a huge city but in terms of hockey it's a small market he also so. he also looks at times remarkably like david Tennant. yes he Were you does. Gonna say that? yes he does i told not all else. the time sometimes he looks just like no. a little bit like an older man but like this picture that's very yeah tenet. that's, that's all the way tenet. Tenet. That's just David Tennant with <laughs> a square not even jaw. Dallas Akins. It's just David Tennant wearing a Chicago Wolves turtleneck. A tactile neck. Uh, so you think uh, Dallas Akins is going to be more of an Arbok this year? Yeah, you I think, think he's, he's matured mm-hmm. and evolved as a coach. Good. Good. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I think the two big questions with the Ducks are age-related. Namely, on the one hand, how far gone is Getzlav? And to a lesser extent, uh, or at least a lesser age extent, guys like Silverberg and Henrik are they lost causes or is there juice left in the tank? That's a mixed metaphor. Who cares? We're moving on. On the other hand, uh, what will Sam Steele, Maxine Comtois, Isaac Lundstrom, and potentially Trevor Zegras, uh have? What impact will they have this season? How ready are they? Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Terry, I didn't list him there. I know he's ready. Those guys are 
all potentially legit studs in yeah, the Terry forward Yeah, Terry played core. really well at the end of last year. So, you know, are they ready to go? Are they ready to be the young core that knocks this team back to the top? I mean, they've got John Gibson. Mm-hmm. He's the best, in my opinion, probably at least just based on pure talent, the best goalie in the league right now. Nobody supports him. He's all alone in his crease. <laughs> I mean, without He's him... so alone, there's no one here beside him. They had 80 points this year. Without him, I think they're... In eight, the, maybe? They had, they had eight <laughs> points. You'd knock that zero off and get you down to 80 points. I mean, yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd put him flatly in the 60s. Sports Illustrated did an interview with Grant Fuhr of the year, or did like a long piece on Grant Fuhr of the year. He ended up starting 79 games. Uh, so I think it was 95-6 his first year here. What was the Gretzky had it lost a year? That was 5-6. Yeah, right? yeah. Because um, it was all the same crap show of a year. Can you imagine living through that? I mean, we did, but we didn't really know. Can you imagine? Anyway, uh, in the body of this article, Brett Hall says something to the effect of, we would have won four or five games if he wasn't here, swear to God. <laughs> so... Uh, I like to imagine somebody said the same thing about John Gibson. Uh, Cam Fowler, do you blow or not so much? Because you were real bad last year. Are you a franchise centerpiece defender or are you super bad? Because you can sink the whole team with the contract they gave you if you're not going to be good. Uh, They need to stay healthy. They had almost 100 man games lost. Man games. More than any other team. Man games. Coming to you this month on UPN. <laughs> UPN, the network that doesn't exist. Yeah, anymore. defunct. Uh, <laughs> they lost almost 100 more games than any other team last season. They obviously would rather not this season. And finally, when will Bob Murray be fired? Because it's likely soon. Although, actually, didn't he just sign an extension? I think so. Jeez. Some people just... Love to watch themselves burn and self-immolate. Anything else to say about the Anaheim Ducks? I think they're going to be still bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I think they could be real garbage horrible this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how soon do they talk about trading John Gibson? Because that's a real question. Uh, I was like, I'm. If they start trading pieces off, I'm all over that fire. Seriously, they got pieces oh, worth they got having. Pieces for sure. I think Elliot Freeman last year. (laughs) They got pizzas out there for (laughs) sure. In and out pizza. Wasn't that Elliot Freeman last year is like they could be the kingmakers yeah. of this like trade deadline, and I was like, okay, buddy. But like, I am, but to his point, to his credit, I am interested in what they got. Okay, so, buddy boy, I do hope they fail. Uh, <laughs> too big, too quack to fail. <laughs> and I'm Doc Story. Uh, the Calgary Flames were too big to fail until the postseason, which whereupon they failed very mm-hmm. abruptly. Uh, they had 107 points last year, were a plus 62 in goal differential, thanks, in no small part to the Norris Trophy winning defenseman, uh, that guy, Mark Giordano. Oh, no. uh, they finished first in the Pacific and first in the Western Conference and then promptly lost to the Colorado Avalanche in five games. That's what you get. For not starting your best goalie in the playoffs, Whoa. you dumbass Bill <laughs> Peters. No relation. No, uh, yes. No, no, no. You would never coin that. Never. You would never want that. You would rather be related to former backup slash AHL goaltender Jimmy Peters. Oh, yeah. 100%. Than Bill Peters, who may himself be related to Bill Peters. Damn it. Okay, then never uh, mind. <laughs> Johnny Gaudreau is amazing. Had 99 points last year. Uh 
he had 99. No, I'm not going to do it, Jay-Z. You can just rest quietly in the corner. Uh, Sean Monahan really leveled up and got 82 points. Elias Lindholm arrived and exploded and got 78 points. Matthew Kachuk had 77 points, and Mark Giordano had 74 points. They had more players over 70 points than the Ducks had players over 40. Dramatically more. Oh, my goodness. Um... The Flames lost Mike Smith to Edmonton, Curtis Lazar to Buffalo, Oscar Fantenberg to Vancouver, Garnet Hathaway. Great name. So rich. I'm certain certain he's a Shakespearean actor on the stage in New York, but not for the money, just for the, for the, you know, social status. (laughs) Because his name is Garnet Hathaway. (laughs) He and Griffin Dunn have starred in many roles together. Uh, Anthony Peluso, who went by Tony P, 10 blocks down from Broadway when he worked on the docks. And then Dalton Prout, who, you know, sorry about your name there, kid. Uh, Those guys add up to a big... Big who cares. Mm. Um, nothing changes for them as far as that. They get Cam Talbot in to back up uh, David Riddich. They get, did they sign Dave Riddich? They did, right? Yeah. They, he yeah. didn't stay unsigned. Um, that's on here. Yeah, that's yeah. on here. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> um, Brandon Davidson and Byron Frizz. <laughs> no, I don't like it. This is like the last name Mr. Freeze would adopt if he wanted to pretend not to be himself. That's not Mr. Freeze. That's Byron Frizz. <laughs> That's, that's Meister Friends. <laughs> oh, excuse me, man. Carry on. This is literally a plot from Batman and Robin, 100%. I still meet you. Is he in the He's in his. his oh, yeah, he's super got the bucket suit, on his hat. But he's got like a hat on top and like a super big coat over his suit. You're like, oh, well. And it's got like. It's like a color you wouldn't expect Mr. Freeze to wear, you know? Like, it's a lavender suit. And you're like, well, he's a professional businessman. Do you you think, oh, and that one, yeah, do you think he draws, like, a little mustache? Of course, of course. (laughs) And he doesn't try any less to sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Nice to freeze you. I mean, was that a really good, that was bad. Nice to freeze you. (laughs) <laughs> Sam Bennett <laughs> Sam Bennett did also resign along with David Riddich, but not Matthew Kachuk, who's joining Mitch Marner and Lil Bitch Land, uh, holding out for a hero and a trade to the blues. We will give Someday. you Eric Foley and nothing else. Um Calgary Flames did acquire Milan Lucic. Woo! <laughs> for a conditional third round pick in 2020 uh, in exchange for forward James Neal. That was a crappy trade of contracts. What are your questions about the Calgary Flames, Ian? Uh, it's one of those things that I feel like I'm going to have this question for all the teams that won their division but then got unceremoniously bounced in the first round. But, like, can you still... Does, does the regular season matter to you? Can no. you get through the season and then I feel like win yes. The first for, round? Did they make the playoffs two years ago? Um, I can't remember. They might have. Because I feel like yes for them only because I think this much of a spike was unexpected. Mm-hmm. So the question is like it's like Vegas last year where it's like, but were they a real thing? You yeah, know? I do wonder. I mean, they've got a really good young core. You've got Gaudreau, Monahan, Kachuk. You got Lynn Holm up there now. 
they've got really, really, really amazing pieces. But two years ago, the Flames had eighty-four points and missed the playoffs. Then a year or two before that, didn't they beat Vancouver in the playoffs? Probably. Okay, that's when they had Furland, and Furland was getting everyone's helpful. uh, Yeah, I remember that one. The year before that, they had ninety-four points and made the playoffs, but Vancouver didn't. Oh, weird. So who they play? I can't remember. Ducks, Oilers, Sharks, Blackhawks. Those would have been their options. Those those are the options. Calgary, I just think, will be another really good team, but I don't know, like you said, if they can be top of the Pacific good. What have they done besides shedding Mike Smith to improve? Maybe that's enough. They've got Cam Talbot now. I mean, they're in a a little bit in a similar situation to us, except without a Stanley Cup banner hanging in the rafters, Mm -hmm. because... It's all on. It's all on Dave Riddich. Mm-hmm. Like, are you real or not? Yeah. Who like, knows? He had a point nine one nine yeah point nine one one save percentage last year. Two point six one goals against average, which is forty two twenty seven and nine. I mean, that's not insane. No, it's not. It's not. But it's like. But it's good. It's good. And it was compared to what year, they were getting. Yeah, well, it's the same as Bennington. I mean, like. Bennington, if he's just as good as he was in the playoffs, would be a huge improvement from what we've gotten from uh, someone that we won't we'll try crap not to say on their today. Name. But Although we already said his name well, earlier. That's true, but I wasn't an insult. Okay, it was, it you're was, right. It was just a reference to his jersey number. The jersey number of a traitor. Damn it, Stephen. You did it. You, you went and did it. Traitor. Where has he gone? God, I wish he was a traitor. <laughs> I feel like, uh, no, but like, yeah, I mean, Jake Allen, similar to Cam Talbot, like, both could theoretically st- step into a starting role. Mm-hmm. Both of their franchises very much want them not yeah, to. Yeah, don't want that to be the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some similar teams in a lot of ways. It's just that, you know, we won the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. or whatever. Not a big deal. I wonder if We you're... won 15 more playoff games than they won. Yeah, as simple as that. And 16 more than the Tampa Bay Lightning one. Watch out! Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> What's, that's what know. getting spots I don't like. know why. I'm just like, man, that sucks. Uh, Mike Giordano won the Norris Trophy last year, 74 points. Obviously has a lot left the in the tank. The man Norris Trophy. Yeah. He obviously has a lot left with thirty at age 35, but does he really have a lot left? Was that enough? Was that his was big that like heyday? The Shangri-La, the send-off. That was the, the last little si- bit of gas. Sayonara, Sammy, you know yeah. how they say. Yes, I want to say he'll be a fine defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be that again. That was very uncalled for. They talk a lot about their, very unexpected. their decor being really good up there, but I just don't think defensively it's that good. Giordano's good. TJ Brody's fine. I think he's, he's probably more than fine. He's good. Mm-hmm. But then you have like Travis Hamanick, who's not all that great defensively. They have Noah Hannafin, who I'm sure isn't. Like I just, for as much as they talk about, man, that top four is really good up there. I'm like, your top four wasn't good enough to be the Avalanche. Yeah. I don't know. And I like the Avalanche, but like if your top four can't beat them, can't just even slow down Nathan McKinnon for a hot second. 
I know Nathan McKinnon's amazing, but like I don't know. I just don't know about your defensive. Yeah, I just don't. Your blue line back there. I, do you feel like the Flames are going to be a team that's like a powerhouse in the league? For... That's what I mean. They feel like it's just... they're strong for the Pacific. They are a very strong team for the Pacific. You put them in another division, I think it's not that doesn't look nearly as easy as they make it look. I feel yeah, that's a good point, and I feel like they're a little bit like. Toronto, in the sense where it's like... The way this team is made up is not like a cup winner. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like, it's a fun team to watch. Yeah. Like, they're very good. But... It's not going to... They're very good, but it's not going to get the job done. We're saying this is a team that won the cup from out of nowhere. So, like, (laughs) anybody could win the cup. We've learned. But if you were making odds next year, I think you'd... You'd put the odds of Calgary winning the division very high, and you'd put the odds of them winning the cup comparatively low. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt this year, even before we the playoffs started. You know, right when they right when we knew what the seedings were and everything, mm. it was like, yeah, okay, they'll beat the Avalanche, and then they'll play. I guess like who who would they play next? Like the Sharks or whatever, Probably, or the Golden Knights. Yeah, and I was like, and they'll lose. Just that would yeah. be my guess. And it's like, yeah, and I kind of feel the same way this year, too. And you would have been right, except yeah. that they just didn't beat the Avalanche. Yeah, and they couldn't do the first part. Yeah, exactly. Um, this will be fun. The yeah. Edmonton <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. 79 points minus 42 goal differential, 7th in the Pacific and 14th in the Western Conference. They had a combined 221 points. 91 goals and 130 assists from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and nothing else. They had a, I should, I, I, I misspoke. They had a very, very nice mm, 69 nice. points from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Do you think they were like, get that, get that hat trick goal in the last game, Ryan? He's like, I cannot. I, <laughs> I must will. sit I at 69. Yeah. Uh, they were, they, uh, who was it that finished with 99? I think McKinnon finished with 99 this year. Mm. So, uh, and he was like desperately like double shifting to get that last <laughs> point in the last game. Nuge was the opposite. He was like, sent me the whole game. I'm not going yeah. on the ice. I'm not risking a skate hitting my, I'm not Harrison the puck hitting my skate and going into the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darnell Nurse had 41 points. So between their second player and their third player, there is a 36 point drop off. And between their third player and their fourth player, there is an additional 28 point drop off. Uh, not good. That says all you need to know, really. They got rid of Kevin Gravel uh, <laughs> and the Stolars to Anaheim and Jesse Pugliari to anywhere. Anywhere yeah. he wants to go because <laughs> it can't be here. Um, He's not a team player. They signed Mike Smith, Marcus Granlin. That Marcus Granlin? Not, you... not, a, not the other one. Not no, the not McHale, yeah. but like the yeah. Flames one, right? Or the Vancouver Canucks one. Canucks yeah. one. The real shitty one. You're right. Alex Chason came back. Uh, Anthony Peluso These are all people we've already got out of about. the docks. Uh, Josh Archibald and Thomas Jerko. Uh, Kara resigned as an RFA, and they were the other poor saps in the Lucic Neal trade. <laughs> they 
are bad. They're bad. They're so bad. This team is so bad. And every once in a oh. while, I think maybe it's just Connor McDavid and he saves him. But no, no, this team is garbage. This team is worse this year mm-hmm. than they were entering the season last year. They're so, 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 so bad. They've got friggin' Miro Heiskanen. No, not Miro Heiskanen. He's good. Miko oh, nice. Koskinen. Uh, defending their net they don't have i mean they have good prospects but no one near near ready enough or good enough not to mention how friggin' bad they are at developing prospects Mm -hmm. to turn this team around i would say Connor mcdavid can put the team on his back and do it himself but he couldn't he can't can't. he hasn't (laughs) been able to and Friggin' Leon Dreisaitl, as you pointed out, was second in the league last year with 50 goals, <laughs> and they still had 79 points. This team is a dumpster fire, so the only question they need to be asking is, how soon can Connor McDavid ask for a trade, and when will we give it to him? There's, this team is a... Dumpster fire run by morons. And they brought Ken Holland in two years too late. I think he did a pretty respectable job this offseason. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Con- Connor McDavid cannot stay there. He can't. Time's slipping away, Connor. I know he's 22 mm-hmm. and he's the best player in the world. And he will be for... Six or seven years, at least, unquestionably. But you got to go somewhere else. It isn't there for you. And even if the cap wasn't the nightmare of an issue that it is, it's not going to be there for you. It's just like, do you, tr- if, if you gave them a blank slate yeah. and just gave them McDavid and Dreisaitl to build around, do you believe they could build a, a successful team? I don't think, no, From not, the this, ground up? not this front office. So what are we doing here? <laughs> Dave Tippett's in. Mm-hmm. He's the new captain on this boat made of flame. <laughs> What's he going to do? What are your thoughts on Dave Tippett? Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, he's I a mean, great he's defensive fine. coach. He's, he's fine. Great. He's fine. He's man. very, very, They'll very be Doug Armstrong. He would have fit, fit in perfectly. Mm-hmm. As not Mike Yo, had he been allowed to get Dave Tippett, which I'm certain he tried. I'm certain yeah. he tried. Oh, he to tried. Do. Um, Ooh, I, <laughs> he's trying. What I don't understand is no, like, Doug. I'm the one who sucks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like I just don't. Yeah, he's going to be a very great defensive coach for them, and they'll play. They'll, they don't have any defense. That's what I mean. They'll play so defensively hard, but in a way where it's like again, they're trying, and it's not going to work. They did have the second worst penalty kill in the league. Mm-hmm. So maybe that gets them to 85 points. Maybe even 90. Yeah, man. it's t- They could add ex nihilo from nothing. They could add 15 points to this team, and they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. Where are you getting 15 points, James Neal? No. Is that your solution? That's what you got, Ken. And you've got to convince Connor McDavid that you're fixing it. You, that's and the problem. your They're best not option it. to fix it right now is the one situation you seem to be fucking up worse than any other situation, which is the Jesse Foyer-Yarvey crap show. 
Which... They're literally, like, isolating everyone that could be helping out with this issue. Yeah. Literally. Because... They... Listen, I don't know if Jesse Puyi is a future superstar in this league. I know he hasn't gotten a whisper of a prayer of an opportunity to show it there. And he's never gonna. And he's probably gonna go off when they trade him to pick a team. He feels like he feels like an inter interdivision or in division like Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. Trade. I was gonna say the Detroit Red Wings, but sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They trade him wherever he goes, and he's probably gonna be good to very good. Not great. He's probably not gonna be a superstar. I just don't understand what their standards but are because it's, it's like your team sucks. You need him on your team. Like, well, he's not practicing the right way. I'm like, well, practicing the right way is not working for you. Imagine the arrogance you'd have to have as an Oiler part, as the president of the Oilers, to condemn anything, anyone <laughs> with any talent who is willing or otherwise has to play for your team. Wouldn't you blow as much smoke up their butt as humanly possible? <laughs> and you're out here playing mind games with Jesse Pugliarvi, who, by the way, can just go to Europe. Mm. He's not, I mean, not that any player can't go to Europe, but he's from there. He's, He'll he like European. going to Europe. <laughs> you know, you can't threaten him the way you could a Canadian player who... The farthest he'd been from home was playing for the Moose Jaw Warriors. You know, it's like... Yeah, that's far. Hey, Joel Evanson. Um, it's just a, it's a tire fire in Edmonton. It's not getting any better, and I'm dropping my water. He's I'm angry. So I don't understand what they're going to... Like, it's going to have to start with either a Miracle or a Connor McDavid trade. And at a certain point, here's my hottest take. At a certain point, it's Connor McDavid's fault for not asking to be traded. Yeah. Yeah, like I if mean, there's yeah. only so much they can do with his like that's spicy. That'd be but... like a a nineteen hundred on the Scoville scale, yeah. but it's true. It's true. It's it's not his fault, obviously. Oh no, but, like, the team's not his fault. I'm saying if he wants to complain, like, like we're yeah. not doing very good, like yeah, it's your fault that you're you just need there. to leave. You just yeah. need to leave. You need to publicly say, you know, your your comment about anyone who doesn't believe in this team can get out last year. Great. You're the captain. That's what you're supposed to do. Now it's time. To yeah, <laughs> I do want. I do want to see all the super clips of him saying that next to like clips of people going. Ah, today Connor McDavid uh, demanded a trade. Demanded a trade. Yes. be like, oh great. Can catch him worse than they caught Max Domi. Um, Los Angeles Kings also a tire fire. Next. Moving on. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> what are you? There. I mean, so let's do it. Seventy-one yeah. points minus sixty-one minus sixty-one. Oh, Goal so differential. Close to nice. <laughs> Finished last in the Pacific, last in the Western Conference. James Johnny Brodzinski to San Jose. Brendan Leipzig to Washington. Alex Lindenyemi, Lindenyemi to Carolina. Ah, uh, they brought in Joe Kim Ryan and Martin Furk, though. So, they re-signed Michael Armadillo, <laughs> Alex, I'm a fallover, <laughs> Cal Peterson, and Matt Roy's our boy. Here's some thoughts on the Kings. They may be in Limerick form. Angie Kopitar didn't take them far. 
Dustin Brown has turned around. Drew Doughty was pretty pouty. Ilya Kovalchuk didn't give a darn. Tyler Toffoli was so lowly. And Jonathan Quick was a worthless dick. (laughs) That team was remarkably bad last year. Mm. Jonathan Quick was, oh my god, so horrible. So bad. How about, how's this? How's this for a stat? A minus 29 goals saved above average. That's so bad. That's like getting a negative four on your ACT. <laughs> That's impossible. That's inconceivable. He had an 888 save percentage. And they kept starting him. That's the thing. I keep thinking, oh, he must have been injured. And I'm like, oh no, he started 46 games. <laughs> Jake Campbell at least had a 928 and a 230. And was a 15-16 GS above average. Look at their other two guys. Both Jake of them. Campbell started 21 fewer games than Jonathan Quick and had two more point shares. Calvin Peterson was good and very good. And Peter Budai was a garbage fire, but they had that common. Yeah. Uh, You started Peter Budai in 2019. You deserved what you got. (laughs) This is the team. This is the team that got Mike Yo fired. Yeah, I mean, hot dog. (laughs) Makes sense. Holy shit! How'd you lose to this team? We were we were bad. Seriously, this team is so sad and so without hope that I do not want to talk about them anymore. I, the only thing I will say about this is imagine being as bad as they were last year and your front office just does nothing. Mm-hmm. Just does nothing. Not even a pretend trade. Not even like a, hey, we'll give you Dustin Brown and you give us your overpaid... Mm-hmm. Oh, they put a flyer out Wayne for... Wayne Simmons uh, type. Panarin, remember? They're like, ooh, he's interested in L.A. And that went over like a wet fart. Yeah, it's... Ugh, just let's move on, please. San Jose Sharks. Oh, um, man, it's like... It's still not getting better, necessarily. You've, you've got to hand it to the Sharks. They really passed the rest of the division last season. <laughs> You're welcome. That was a hand pass joke, people. I couldn't think of it earlier when we were talking about the Sharks with Lewis. It still wasn't good now, but... You were workshopping I got it, it in there. Yeah, I workshop the hell out of it. Uh, 101 points plus 28 goal differential. Finished second the Pacific, second in the Western Conference, both behind the Calgary Flames. They defeated the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round in seven games. They defeated the Colorado Avalanche in the second round in seven games. And they lost to the St. Louis Blues in the wow. third round. They should have just lost in the first round to the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights. But the NHL helped them. They should have just lost in the second round to the <laughs> Colorado Avalanche. But the NHL helped them. They should have just lost in five games to the St. Louis Blues. But the NHL helped them. But here we are. Mm-hmm. And somehow they're uppity about that and throwing shade about Vegas collapsing in the playoffs, which is the most galling thing I've ever yeah. seen. Joe imagine, that Col- imagine Twitter had existed in 1991 or whenever the hell it was, and Colorado took like a victory lap about the fifth down they got against them. <laughs> <laughs> imagine three months later they were like, hey, can you guys count to five? <laughs> That's what the uh. Sharks do every time they say, hey, five's the number of minutes it took the Golden Knights to blow a lead. It's like, yeah, yeah. And five's the number Uh. of brain cells you have if you think that was legitimate. (laughs) 
They lost their captain, Joe Pavelski, to the Dallas Bum Bum Stars. Bum. They lost Gustav Nyquist to the Columbus Blue Jackets. They lost Eunice Dunskoy to the Colorado Avalanche. And they lost Joachim Ryan to a big who cares. That's a pretty significant yeah. hemorrhaging of talent. That's, <laughs> That's three top nine forwards you just let yeah. walk out the door. And Granted, one of them you traded for yeah. and your captain. Um, they added Tim Heed, who I thought was an official. They added Dalton <laughs> Prout, uh, who didn't we talk about yeah. him already? Yep. Did anyone leave this division? Or <laughs> no, they're all just, just there. I noticed that when I was writing these. I was like, oh. The RFAs uh, they have re-signed were Kevin LeBanc, who did not put that much money in LeBanc uh, because he signed for $1 million. Yikes. I like that you just ignored the LeBanc joke, probably for the better. Mm-hmm. Timo Meyer is mired in cash, on the other hand, with a nice new six by six million dollar contract or something like that. Anti Suamella did not get Salmonella <laughs> contract. <laughs> Kyle would would sign for anything in this uh, league because he's an afterthought. What were you gonna say? Nothing. And Nick De Simone, I'm not even gonna try. Uh <laughs> He's back. San Jose traded Justin Braun to the Philadelphia Flyers for anything, really. Anything they could get. The Flyers gave them a second-round pick and a third-round pick. Shocking. They also got Tom Pyatt and a 164th pick in this year's draft from the Vancouver Canucks for Francie Perron and the number 215 pick, which was basically meaningless. They also got Trevor Carrick from Carolina in exchange for Kyle Wood, who would not be staying there any longer, mm. apparently. That is the case. Walk us through the thoughts and questions. So Ian? you have, you lost your captain, Joe Pavelski. Just alone, that being your captain and one of your most tenured players, I oh, wonder how that works. Captain. He also had 38 goals, 26 assists, and 64 points last year. That's nothing to uh, turn your nose up at that you're losing from your team. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how that will go. Martin Jones had an awful season. Was a .896 save percentage, a 2.94 goals against average. If he just returns to being like an average goaltender, even just a slightly below average goaltender, that would be good for them. They might actually see the top of this division at that point. Martin Jones, I forgot about that dumpster fire last year. Somehow, this team was so How good. How were they that good? They must have been that good. Yeah, this team was so good We didn't good even talk about that. the car. I mean, we did a little bit with Lewis, but the contract that signed with Carlson mm-hmm. is just woof. And there you go. They need to win while Carlson Carlson's the early part of his contract. So they need to win this year. Yeah, they need to be winning soon. Thornton, gone. Burns, old. This team is going to be like the sh- Kings in a couple of years, mm-hmm. but... Worse. Have they resigned Joe Thornton yet? No, not that I know of. This gonna be one of those like training camp deals because yeah. they're like, okay, he's here, he's here. We're anyways. gonna offer Joe Thornton a BTO. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. Thanks, Doug Wilson. Um, <laughs> Once he's got you in the chair, he don't let you go. Which, dentist. by the way, would be very illegal for a real dentist. I mean, if you asked to leave oh, and they yeah. restrained you, that's I think probably... Mo- I think the most restraining can, of people is not you, allowed. You can ask your special friend <laughs> about that. Not legal, it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not impressed with the defensive part of their... The defensive part of their decor. You watch the Blues walk Carlson and walk Burns and even to a lesser extent walk Mark Edward Vlasic last year. I, they're a good 
offensive defensive core. We're not a good enough team to be walking anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we're not I realize fast here's the thing. I realize we're Stanley Cup champions, mm-hmm. but we don't. We don't. We didn't get there from like pure offensive skill. Yeah, but yet it still happened. Yeah. I'm like, so no, they're not very good defensively, and you have to be better defensively if you're gonna have a crappy Martin Jones backing you <laughs> up back there. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. They'll be good again. Of course. But I feel the same way about these guys as I do about Calgary, except at least Calgary is young and has like promise on the horizon. I feel like you said you have the Sharks are in the same position, an earlier position than the LA Kings, where it's like, all right, your time, your clock's ticking, man. You got mm-hmm. some of these guys on long contracts and they're already old. Brent Burns is like 33. 34, and they, and they still have year. them for like six more Even years. Even Couture's already going to be 30 this year. Mm-hmm. That's just bad You've news. You've got Timo there. Meyer. you got Kevin LeBron. I mean, their window's shut. Are we, can we be honest? It's done. Their cup window, I don't think. Yeah, I This think was their shut. last chance. Maybe we're well, wrong. Or they, get, or they get some more favorable calls. That's true. Look, it's don't not... you feel like they used up all of the playoff walk anyone could possibly <laughs> yeah. have last year? <laughs> They're not. Oh, it's not over for the Sharks until Joe Thornton doesn't sign there anymore. Yeah. As long as he signs there, that's always going to be the talk They've about got the Joe Thornton bones. A Joe Thornton. He's got to win a cup. He's gotta. He's gotta win a cup. Jay Bobeister won a cup. Alex Steve won a cup. Bam bam. Chris Thorburn kind of won a cup. I mean, they handed. So he His name's cup. probably on it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, Chris. They should, we only got a little bit on there. They should put a there. long beard on hanging and off of it to, you know. <laughs> Symbolize. Uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Lewis, in our interview with him, talked about this as a team that could rise to the top of this division, and yeah. I very much agree that it could. I feel like the Canucks are also a team where the bottom could drop out this year. Oh, they're very volatile. They're very, like, on a nice edge. They had 81 points last year and a minus 29 goal differential, finished fifth and 12th, respectively, in conference and division. Elias Pettersson had 66 points in 71 games. Bo Horvat had 61 points in 82 games. And Brock Besser had 56 points in a very... Very nice. Mm, 69 games. Alexander Edler, 34. Antoine Roussel was fifth on your team in scoring. That's a little, that's not, that's that's not nice. That's a, that's, that's a cardiac arrest. You gotta get the paddles. You gotta get the paddles. (laughs) Your team's dying. Luke Shin left. That can only mean good things. Uh, Tanner Care. Who cares? Care Bear, who cares? Marcus Granlin. Is I don't have it, and <laughs> Derek Pouliot is a blue, or more actively, more accurately, a rampage. Now I like how we've got two names, and neither are a thing that you can be. Like you can't be a rampage, and you can be a blue, but it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, they did sign Michael Furlan, which I like. Tyler yeah. Myers. Jordy Ben, and then to a lesser extent, Oscar Fantenberg and Zach Zane McIntyre. They also brought back Reed Boucher, Josh Levo, Francie Perron, and Tyler Mott. Although, did they trade Francie Perron? Yeah, I guess they signed the, both these guys yeah, and then I traded them. Yeah. Uh, they traded Francie Perron, and then they brought in JT uh, Miller 
from Tampa Bay. So they've added more than a lot of teams. They've got Miller and Furland on their front end, Tyler Myers and Jordy Ben on their back end. Uh, a, a sophomore slump for Elias Pettersson is the end of this team. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was the team last year, and if he's not around, this team will not be around. Of all the teams with an outstanding RFA, none of them can withstand it as little as the Canucks can afford to lose Brock Besser for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. They need to throw money at him, but they don't have money to throw at him because their GM is very not good at his job. Who they re-upped, I believe, to be their GM. Of course they did. Jacob Markstrom was good last year. Jacob Markstrom is not a good NHL goalie. I will live and die on that fact. So is he still going to be the level of adequate that he was last year? Or is... Uh, it's Thatcher Demko time, or are we in the perilous Neverland between those two, <laughs> and they're just going to be bad? Uh, the Canucks are the most injured team since 2010-2011 in the NHL, which is just, you know, a fun little factoid for your brain. Uh, they had 22 power play. They were 22nd in the power play and 11th in the penalty kill, which is very, you know, symmetrical or something. It's probably Quinn Hughes' time. Yeah. They've got a number of great prospects left. I think they're not yet listed in Corey Promen's farm system ranking, which means they're top six. Uh, does Travis Green finish the season? Is Travis Green a Manchurian candidate? What is a Manchurian <laughs> candidate? For Manchuria. That's a part of China, <laughs> I think. Um, what I wonder, you mentioned about Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko. What if they're both good and then they botch that job up again? Oh yeah, we've got we've got Luongo Roberto Luongo, <laughs> we've got ourselves uh, Corey Schneider, and and they're both gone. That seems accurate. Yeah, that seems like what they do. Um, yeah, I don't know. They could be very good this year. I'm not rooting for the Canucks because that feels weird to say. Yeah, I used to really hate the Canucks, and now I'm like. Yeah. Eh. But I'd kind of like to see them be sure, better. Sure, they've got the black jerseys now. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Ooh, those are nice. I just think they're more of a knife-edge team than just about anyone in hockey. They have the... Like, if I was going to put a range of outcomes for most of these teams, I'd give them about 10 points. Yeah. I would give the Canucks between, like, 75 and 100. Or maybe even <laughs> 60 and 100. And like, oh, yeah, they're, like, the biggest... The craziest wild card team we've yeah, talked about yet. I feel like for sure. So I don't have a lot more to say about them. You have anything to add about them? Um, I hope that Elias Pettersson can keep. Yeah, for I sure. Really do he was special, special talent, and he was fun to see. He's a, a lot of you know, not a big guy. I mean, maybe he's like tall, but he's most certainly not like overly mm-hmm. muscular. It's fun to see sometimes those players succeed. So I'm rooting for him. Um, yeah, yeah. I like Brock Besser. Love Bo Horvat. So. Go do it, by all means. I'm just saying, like, if you're the guy out there that's, like, placing a lot of money on them to win the division, just know that it could go very badly <laughs> for you. Uh, the Golden Knights were 43-32-7 and seven last year, good for 93 points. They were a plus 19. They finished third in the division, seventh in the conference, and lost to the uh, Sharks in seven games in the first round. Nice screw-up in the notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh yeah, I mean, the, the the Vegas Golden Knights proved last year that they were not 
a magician's illusion. Now they need to prove it again. (laughs) Because I feel like... They started off pretty poorly, and I think that almost proved uh, that they... Yeah, More so than they weren't. Maybe, yeah. Here's hard times for Vegas now, and they actually pulled out of it. I feel like... um, I feel like that's what I need to see is like an extended season or period of crappiness for me to believe that they're just like a real NHL team now. Jonathan Marsha show led the team with 59 points. William Carlson had 56, Riley Smith, 53, Alex Tuck, 52. And, uh, Paul Stastny had 42. Alex Tuck had 20 tucks last year. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know it was bad. Um, They've not been managed especially well. They're yeah. They were built very well. Their assets are starting to dry up. And then up it a was little. very much like, "Ooh, we've got to strike while the iron's hot." And now it's like, "Ooh, iron cold hot. Iron's too hot. We shouldn't have grabbed the iron while it was hot. That yeah, was that, a bad you'll idea. Burn yourself. And they did burn themselves by going out and giving Max Pacioretty a lot of money and giving Paul Stastny a lot of money. Although that was only like a three term, three year deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Has Paul Stastny? Listen, I love Paul Stastny. <laughs> Has anyone in the NHL made more money on? Less results than <laughs> well, Paul Stastny. Yeah, what happened? I guess he was other than like the real David Clarkson types. Yeah, and he was because he had that one ridiculous run with Winnipeg last year. Yeah. that like got him this contract, and that's pretty much it. That's all he's really done in seven years. I mean, he's been fine the whole time. He wins faceoffs, mm. but he's made like I think he's like at six point five now. So he's made like nineteen plus twenty eight which is 30 45 million dollars um in 7 seasons to do very little but yeah i mean good for him he's got no teeth so he deserves a win uh pierre edward belmar went to colorado ryan carpenter went to chicago at least some of these people left the division mm-hmm. and came to Ours. Daniel Carr, not to be confused with Derek Carr, not that you would, although they would have played in the same city very soon, went to Nashville and Zach fuck all with <laughs> uh, Zach. I'm sure that's a. Yeah, I'm sure. No, don't correct yourself. That's for his name. Tomasz Nosik uh, signed as the UFA. Derek England, <laughs> everything is. All wrong. Uh, returned to his home city, unsurprisingly, and Brandon Peary did uh, return as well, not to his home city. They did sign Jake Bischoff and Malcolm Subban as RFAs. Uh, a couple of trades. They got uh, Nicholas Roy in a conditional fifth in the 2021 draft from the Hurricanes in exchange for Eric Howla. Uh, they got Garrett Sparks from the Maple Leafs in exchange for a fourth-round pick and uh, David Clarkson, and they acquired a third-round pick in the 2020 draft in a second-rounder in the 2021 draft in exchange for forward Nikita Gusev. The Knights did a lot of salary shaving, which is not necessarily that exciting for mm-hmm. a team in their second or third professional season. Welcome, fans, to salary shaving. Does does the bloom come off the rose a little bit for them this year? Here's the thing. They're another team where it's like 
Flurry ever mm. shows signs of aging, oh, I know they need rough. him badly. They've got Mark Stone now, mm-hmm. who wasn't there all of last year. He's a top probably 10, 20 player in the league. Very good. I did. All, I almost forgot about that. Max Pacioretty mm-hmm. and Paul Stastny, those contracts really hurt, but you locked up William Carlson on the cheap. None of your other contracts are terrible, except that you're paying Alex Tuck forever. That was just the weird thing they did as they handed out some long-ass contracts, which, as I've always said, I'd prefer high dollar and short to mm-hmm. anything else than long. It's but, like you can at least get out from under yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think about the Knights this season? Yeah, I when they finished, they finished third in the division last year. They probably year. will again because the division is Garbo. So mm-hmm. like, Again, I could see this team kind of, to a lesser extent, of what we're talking about, Vancouver kind of just fall out of nowhere. If you some if key people get injured, and I know that's true of any team, but like you said, if Flurry just finally shows his age, or you just get a guy like Marcheseau is not performing very well, I can see this team all of a sudden just hey, they're not they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, full stop. Because it's weird that they have the players they have down there, and yet I'm still not impressed somehow. Yeah. Like Mark Stone, yes. Um, Who they get from Montreal? Pacioretty. Pacioretty. Cool. But like cool, but like <laughs> slightly over the hill. Paul Stastny over the hill. Cool. You know what I mean? Like that team. Is yeah, re- no, it strikes me as a team that's very like that team's really good. Like five years ago. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, Paul Stastny. Oh shit, Pacioretty. I mean, like I said, Stone's fine, but it's like, uh, yeah, they don't strike me as a team that's going to light it up this year. Like. But because the Pacific's weak, I could see them easily making the playoffs. Like, I could see the Western Conference Final next year being Central and Central. Hmm. I could see any team that ends up in fifth in the Central running through the Western Conference. (laughs) Can you not? I mean, yeah. Like, they could not. Any team in the Western Conference in the Pacific Division could get hot. But, like, you're telling me, let's... You, put, you, th- you put Colorado over there and they almost did it. Yeah, they almost did. Yeah. It almost already was. We've already been fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you're t- so what do you think? Top five in our division is probably us, Nashville. This is in no particular yeah. order. The Jets, Colorado, and Dallas? Yeah. Any five of those teams could get past both the Stars and Knights or Flames mm. easily in a in a back-to-back series so i'm not saying that does happen but you know lewis lewis talked about in the interview um how he thought the conference the division was probably the weakest in the league right now Mm -hmm. and at the time i was kind of like i don't know they've got three pretty good teams at the top and now that I'm sitting here and I've talked about all the teams, I'm like, yeah, he yeah, was very easily, right. Easily and it's not division. an insult to the Coyotes, who are the best team, and Lewis is the best reporter on the best team. But it's just, even the good teams have very queer flaws. Mm-hmm. Like, sizable flaws. None of these, yeah, I don't look at any of these teams like, wow, like, how am I supposed to beat that team? Like, ah, I would pretty not, easily. I would I'll put that another way, what I was just saying. Give me a draw against any one of those teams, except maybe the Sharks, over any of the teams in our division I named, except maybe the Jets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like, do it. I'd rather have that. Yeah, agreed. So it's just, 
I don't know what the Western Conference becomes next year. I mean, I don't expect the Blues to repeat necessarily. We'll obviously talk about that in the coming weeks. But, but I think the Western Conference champion comes out of the Central. He's like you were saying. Easily. Yeah, it's very possible. For sure. Um, oh, yeah. Western Conference yeah. champion. Yeah, for sure. It would, be, it would shock me to see it. But I think we had the same discussion last year with the Pacific. Is that it's just, so, it's just up in the air. Yeah. Like, even their... Even their, uh, I do feel their worst teams are their worst. Their worst teams. team is Edmonton. We know that. Or like, like even the Kings. Like their oh, worst Kings teams are, will yeah. stay there. But the I forget top the Kings exist. Five of that division is just all over the place. Like here's the thing: if you told me Arizona wins the conference, I wouldn't be like, not a chance. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay, they must have had a really good. I'd season. be like, yeah, yeah they okay. got hot. Probably Clayton Keller like really broke out. Mm-hmm. And Oliver Ackman Larson probably had like a Marty O'Donnell year. It doesn't take much. Mm-hmm. The health and those two things would put them right at the top of this division, I think. So it's like, yeah, I could, could go anywhere. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we've got this week, I think, unless you have anything else you want to say. No. Good. 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 Um, Traverse City, I'm going to leave in a week. We're going to be here next week and the week after, but. Uh, You'll be gone in between. In between those two podcasts. We're excited. The roster's out. You can find it. We'll talk about that next week. Um, Follow us, Twitter. Follow the other podcast at STL underscore podcast on Twitter. Follow Lewis Pannone, P-A-N-N-O-N-E on Twitter. And... Yeah, thank you to him again. Yeah, we we really did enjoy it. So, uh, until we talk again next week... It's been a lot of fun to trash this division (laughs) together, and we hope to hear from y'all real soon. Have a good night. I am still living with your ghost, lonely and dreaming of the West Coast. I don't want to be your downtown. I don't wanna be your stupid game with my big black boots and an old suitcase. I do believe I'll find myself a new place. I don't wanna be the bad guy. I don't wanna do your sleepwalk dance anymore. I just wanna see some palm trees. I will try. Beside the ocean